0: Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm Blair Beavers, and here's your host, Leanne Sims.
1: Welcome, listeners. Today, Blair and I are at Echo Spirits Distilling Company in Grandview Heights, Ohio. We're here with our friends, Ayana, Bill, Kara, and Eric, to take a cocktail class led by ECHO's beverage director and general manager Derek Reno. Welcome friends. Derek, thanks for doing this today.
2: Absolutely, it's my pleasure.
1: So what's in store for us today? What are we doing? All
2: right, so what we're going to do is the cocktail class that we do here all the time. I do a bunch of them. We essentially do these every other week. Uh, Currently on Saturdays at 1 uh, you can book these on our website, but I do know they're sold out till uh, till June. Wow! So it's so popular. It's unique and odd to me to do this with someone out there listening. But if so, look them up, book them, and uh, they're typically we cap them at eight. Uh, we maybe would sneak up to ten people. That keeps it available for me to be able to pull off, and enough so that everyone gets all the information that they want out of the class. So, uh, Echospirits.com, experiences section, you can do all that kind of stuff. Uh, the class, though, uh, at this point, I usually uh, we will kind of give you a little rundown of the scenario or the kind of vibe we're gonna do and in, in the, the style that we're gonna fit the thing into. So the class, I kind of break up into seasonal, stirred, and uh, shaken. That would be seasonal, stirred, and shaken, which are all S's because as you'll see throughout the class, I apparently have a an affinity for alliteration, which almost <laughs> was that right there.
0: Cool.
2: Uh, and you'll be able to uh, get the reasons why we do that kind of stuff. And I'll ask questions as well at times, one, that's, none of this stuff is a test. I just do that to make sure everyone's still kind of with me, and it's kind of interesting to see uh, some of the, the parts that we, uh, that we figure out and how you would use those techniques uh, and why you would pick the ingredients or the tools or the styles that you use to make those cocktails that you would be making at home. That being said, I like to kind of give a few examples of how the class could be beneficial to you guys. That's the most important to me. This definitely is not some speech about some absolute uh, version of rules that I have. There will be a few, a couple ones that I'll throw in, including, say, certain cocktails that you would never stir or shake in a few small things, but really, it's wide open. And the class itself, or the guests that we have at the class, there's always a different reason at all the classes that any uh, amount of the people in the class are looking for, something they're trying to get out of it. And I kind of like list those at the beginning so you can help guide me and I'll do the same thing here. Sometimes it's just as simple as you want to be, you want to make better cocktails for yourself at home. You like, you know, having a drink at the end of the night or your weekend and making something good and you just want to be better at it. That's as simple as it can be and you're definitely going to get that from this. Sometimes it's about entertaining or kind of hosting or having parties. Uh, and I really like having some some input on that. The the punch part that we're going to jump into here right after this, that everyone's enjoying now, the welcome punch, is more of a, a a sort of tutorial and a little handout sheet that you can use for for going home. But that is one of the examples of stuff you can use to you know to entertain, to have that kind of fun, to be a better entertainer and a more efficient one as well. Uh, an additional couple would be sometimes it's just you're really interested in building a cool home bar, and that could be the spirits that you would pick for your perfect home bar. I have a a preferred list of the six perfect main, like high proof, full proof spirits that you would have. Your secondary uh, liqueurs, your modifying spirits, your bitters, uh, and then the mise en place, the tools. So you'll see in front of everyone, obviously, you have every section, if you guys didn't catch that, over here as well, you got your side and then your side. So you both have two of everything. So everyone has their individual tools. You're only sharing the raw ingredients here. But as you're looking at all of the, uh, the bar equipment that you have, I do the class in a way, including the recipes, that is meant to be, it's just the most classic. It's the most standard, the most historical accepted versions, and the tools that you would use are the ones that would typically be associated with that, that are recommended that we would use in, in our kind of style bar, but that doesn't mean that you have to. So sometimes it's where can I get this stuff? I love sourcing. I am really into finding stuff. I'm, I got some good thrift store and like vintage store hookups, some unique online places that are both more unique and cost efficient. I, there's a bunch of fun places to find stuff. So I kind of like get into all that stuff. There's always someone that's really interested in where that is. Also on the last page of your sheet, uh, you'll see that I made a, it's a diagram sort of thing with drawings of all of the equipment that we use today and a few others that won't be in there. But So I'll talk about some of the names of the things that we'll use. You don't have to memorize those. Also, if anyone, I forgot, if anyone is into it, if you're into the note taking thing, I'll walk away from the microphone when I'm not talking and get you a a, a pen. You don't have to take notes at all if not needed. But if it's that kind of stuff, you have the reference there for them. That being said, we'll also go through all these details and if you're thinking, "I, I don't have that, can I not make this cocktail at home? You definitely can. When we get into the stirred cocktail, we're gonna talk about the jewelry strainer and all the rest of these these equipment right here. I would also add, if you at home have a coffee mug and a soup spoon and your hand to strain the cocktail out, but you make it with the right ingredients and the right proportions, it's still gonna be a good cocktail. So I use that as both an example of how don't take anything that uh, is taught today to be an absolute, something that you can't not do, It's just the most accurate historical version, as well as the recipes. You can alter that, and I'll talk about that part when we get into the recipes. And then the last part before uh, the quick description on the punch uh, that I'd be remiss not to do, uh, we to talk about where we're at. I do like talking about where we're at, so Echo Spirits. Uh, I know most of you uh, at the class today know a bit about us, but we are uh, a distillery and a craft cocktail bar. We opened up... Uh, as a distillery in 2019, uh, early on, we got this, this building here at 985 West 6th Avenue. This building became available, uh, and our two owners, so those are uh, Joe Biddinger and Nikhil Sharaf. They are local guys, they are guys from right here. This is not some corporate sort of setup. This is not a place with giant uh, investors or outside influences. Most of those people are their family uh, mm-hmm. and friends, and left a, a, a two different career, path, career paths. Uh, Joe was a uh, is an IT coordinator uh, at Ohio State in their health health department or medical department, uh, and Nikhil was uh, an engineer is an engineer a structural engineer who actually also did that job full time while also opening this distillery until just a year year and a half ago, uh, and they're both local guys. Uh, and then lastly, it's me. I'm Derek Reno. Just so you know what you're doing here, or that I've actually been use, uh, trained to some degree at this uh, in the past. Uh, I'm uh, our, our beverage director, as you know. Uh, I have done this uh, these kind of cocktail classes for years because I've run a cocktail consultancy prior for six years called the Reno Reserve, which I did forty or fifty of these amongst a bunch of other events. Uh, I worked for five or six years in the Cameron Mitchell Company, uh, including being the opening beverage director for the and creating that program. I worked at uh, another distillery behind the bar at Middle West Spirits, which was uh, very useful for this kind of collaboration. And then, above all, I would say my heart, my very my home in in the kind of spirits and craft cocktail world would be the time i spent at denmark on high which is a, a beloved place to me and and shout out to gary white and all my all my friends and time that we that we spent Woo-hoo. there all right <laughs> let's talk about cocktails huh hey, hey. all right let's do it. so i do the punch uh at the beginning so it's an icebreaker so it's something that everyone can have if everyone uh, listening on this doesn't know everyone's having a punch that we made uh with fresh ohio cider and pear cider uh oh, our spiced rum that we make here at echo spirits which was a recipe i was fortunate enough to uh to be able to create this last year uh calvados uh which is uh, a french brandy from boulard uh, a spice cordial that's made with nutmeg cloves cinnamon and bay leaf and and baked apple bitters so you're having the punch that being said it's delicious by the these, way. oh it's well really, thank you really good appreciate it mm-hmm. the uh the useful part, the sort of stuff that's educational, the fact that this is a class, is this real simple uh, handout sheet on the top. So I don't know if this is useful for uh, for everyone. If you guys want, you can add this to it. This is a ratio. Uh, it's called the Reno Ratio. Yes, that's my last name. And yeah, that's a little douchey. But my, my good friend, Adam Layman, coined that some years ago when I was doing these cocktail classes a lot uh, prior to working here at ECHO. And it's it's one that I believe in and I've stuck with. So the useful part about that, so it has. it's called the base formula, the quart, and the gallon formula. Essentially, if you use this for punches, you'll be able to make, they will all work, as long as you pick, you know, ingredients that make sense together. Punches are uh, a useful thing. I love them, one, because they're communal. They have a great history. This is something, this is not new. This is something that goes back to the 1700s. You're t- picturing port cities, especially. People from all over the world coming in and arriving with each other and having different ingredients. You might have... S- Something from the Caribbean with a unique rum. You might have saffron from India. And you did not have Amazon Prime or uh, Amazon Fresh or whatever it is where you can just go order anything you want. These ingredients were things people had never seen. You join together, build this punch, you know, and have a and break bread together and have a fun time. So I like the history of it. And I just, I always like it as a sort of uh, entertainment or a welcoming option. But if you're going to do that, the key trick is to do the base formula, which, <laughs> sorry, microphone. Uh, has uh, an easy testing ground. So essentially, this is a cocktail that you're going to shake. If you took any spirit, so main spirit, I, I have the term there, that would be your vodka, your gin, your whiskey, your cognac, any of those like, regular, high-proof, notable spirits. Modifying spirit, that's, you know, the kind. The common term would be mixers. All kinds of things like the Amaros here that we have that we love. The easy examples would be things like orange liqueurs like triple sex and uh, Grand Marniers and Cointreau. Uh, and then Aperol when it comes into tomorrow's, all those kind of secondary things, including vermouths. They just add a spirit aspect to the to the cocktail, but also a bit more flavor and depth to it. If you made this same punch we had today and you left out the Calvados, the French apple brandy, and just had spice drum, it's still gonna be good, it's still gonna work, it's gonna be a little bit more one note, so that's, that's what that means and that's why I recommend that. You can mess, there's so many options to change the flavor. A limoncello or a lime cello will also add a lot of different things to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you get into your juices, whether it's citrus or cider or tropical things like apple or pineapple or guava or mango or passion fruit. Then you get into bitters, which we'll talk about bitters when we do the Old Fashioned next, but a very, very important thing to me and something I'll expound on a little bit at that part. Uh, and then it's finished with, a, and then obviously a, a syrup, you need your sugar source. You have to have that balance on it. Plug that in, shake it, make sure it's tasty, if that works. All you have to do to do the quart and gallon formula is add that formula right into the uh, amount that's already added to there. And then you'll see in the rather long paragraph I noticed that there's an amount of water you have to add to that. And that's boring. I know this doesn't sound interesting. Probably definitely not to listen to. But when you shake or stir a cocktail, you're adding dilution. You're adding a water proportion you need. It's not an equivalent to watering down a cocktail. It's necessary. If you add, you have to add that because that's what you would have equated when you shook that cocktail. Mm-hmm. So if you batch that big amount, add that amount of water that's already ratioed out for you, and you have the punch, and that's it. Brilliant. And you can do a bunch of stuff with it.
0: I have a quick question about the punch. If yeah. you're
2: batching it out, mm-hmm.
0: but you're not shaking it in to dilute it, you're adding water, yeah. does that change it? Really it does way? a little
2: bit, yes. I think, I mean, it's not an absolute perfect scenario if you really wanted to you could get a large container like a cambro and build a large amount like you just multiply that single cocktail times how many ever servings you want obviously that serving would be an entire cocktail that's not the same as what fits in those little punch glasses so the vessel changes but if you put that and then put ice into that vessel and somehow just you know you just held that (laughs) firmly and shook it it will work better because when it comes to citrus uh, and we'll definitely talk about this when we do the shaking part. You want to agitate that acidity. You, you're not necessarily doing that by just adding water to it, but when it comes to a punch, it's the most efficient way. Got it. If you want the absolute best flavor way, you could you could absolutely shake a large amount of that or sections of it at a time, and then still then pour that into a batch.
1: Okay. And
2: that that's that's definitely better.
1: Would stirring do any good?
2: Yeah, stirring would. Yeah, okay. is, yeah, it definitely would as well. It's going to agitate it less and that's going to be key terms we talk about on these on these two cocktails when we go into the uh, the styles but you would see the difference but if you're making a large amount especially something that you're storing to serve later this is the best version and it works plus you have the base formula to test it with it will always uh, it will always come if that tastes good then you know the next one's going to taste good any other any other questions on that i think we're ready all right so this is a. Uh, the transition into the fun part, especially the fact that you have to quit uh, listening to me ramble on here. <laughs> We're going to get into uh, the hands-on stuff here, and I do uh, lead in with a with a, a few fun questions on, on these parts, and this is likely to be one that's going to have an answer that's known, because I get some very fascinating ones, and I ask this every single time. So I break the class into the next two parts into stirred and shaken, and that's a very important uh, rule. When I'm doing the classes, uh, especially for a lot of our class uh, attendees who are just definitely uh, not like at home, uh, uh, enthusiasts, I guess would be the term, this is not always known and sometimes they like making stuff at home and they might have interesting ingredients or some leftover juices from a party that they had before or just stuff that's in the refrigerator or they go to the grocery and just get some unique stuff and you're not sure how to use it. So I try to have this lend itself to being something that's useful to knowing what to pick. And I'm gonna break multiple fourth walls here that some bartenders don't. It's extremely easy. When you're deciding to shake or stir a cocktail, 98, I, I, I change it every week, 97, 98, it's right there. It's virtually all the reason that you would ever shake versus stir a cocktail. There's one category of an ingredient that is the reason you do. Does anyone know what it is? What is so? It's the picture. In citrus.
0: First try ever.
2: <laughs> yes. Shout out, Bill. Oh, I, give you a high five, but I won't. That is it. I'm not. The number one answer I get at the classes typically is like prosecco or soda or something carbonated. Oh. Which oddly, uh, no offense to anyone who's ever hearing this who was at the class before. The ultimate thing, you would never shake. You, you're going to have a lot of combustible <laughs> trouble with that. But it's it's a unique, so it's citrus. And citrus is in massive amounts of your cocktails, more than even, you even know probably, especially lime and lemon. Orange being very, very mildly used, unless you're into Harvey Wallbangers or Tequila Sunrises, and uh, I don't know why you would be. Actually, the best thing with actual orange juice is a mimosa. I don't think there's anything that beats it. It's a weird thing in the, uh, the craft cocktail world that oranges are we use relentlessly for peels because they're very essential, including the cocktail we're about to make. And the juice is just this thing that we have and try to figure out stuff to do with. But grapefruit is well-being on that. It's citrus, yeah. So you, you want to agitate that. You want to shake that. You really, really want to beat that cocktail up. Uh, when it comes to stirred cocktails, which we're about to do, it's the opposite. So if you've just got spirit-based stuff, essentially all those old like prohibition, pre-prohibition cocktails, which is a weird term that we use in our, in our industry, is if people stopped drinking during prohibition because they definitely didn't. But the old school stuff, your Sazeracs, your Manhattans, your martinis, your Negronis, all these sort of uh, cocktails that have basically just spirits, bitters, and maybe a little bit of a, of a sugar source. You want to maintain a certain composition to that. And I'll explain that part. When it comes to the shaking part, we'll get into that when we do the daiquiri, you want to do the, the, the total opposite. The 2 to 3% that I left out would be egg white cocktails, things, highly emulsified ingredients, uh, egg whites, heavy creams, and then also other tropical juices, pineapples and guavas and those kind of things. That would also, and it's not citrus, but you're going to shake those kind of things. You want both a look that is frothy and opaque and more agitated, You want that. When it comes to stirred cocktails, you both want to protect the flavor, which I'll explain last, and then you also want a look that has a clarity-driven, a a kind of gossamer look to it. You want it to have a style. So style fits into some of the stuff that we'll teach today. Pick whatever style you like moving forward, but I'll show you why. After we do the old-fashioned, when we do the both cocktails, I do a a little exposition, make it, and then, then you guys make it right after so that I can help and walk around and pay attention to what, uh, what we're making, you'll see the difference and I will then shake the cocktail that I stirred and show you and I'll show you how different it looks. Uh, and every single class we do this at, it's kind of a it blows people's minds. You didn't realize how much it changes and how important uh, that it is. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, the, the, the entire sort of lead-in to that part. The stuff you have in front of you, we're going to use these mixing glasses everyone on their left has. We have the actual glass ones here. This is a julep strainer. So the tools that we're gonna be using, julep strainers are the more historical, this is the original cocktail strainer. Uh, It's efficient, it's gonna keep the ice out of stuff that you're using, Uh, and it was the uh, the original one. Later on, we we get to the Hawthorne strainer, which we'll be using for the shaking cocktail. And that's the two that you would typically use and associate with these. Same sort of thing as earlier, if at home you just have a Hawthorne strainer, so it's still gonna work. The one reason, a couple reasons beyond history is that this is much less likely to chip these glasses, and then you have your bar spoons. So I have two different versions up there, if, this, uh, if these uh, at the class, typically there's people that are interested in getting these kind of things, so I give two examples, and I put one of each on both. This uh, size here, this is the 12 and a half inch length, this is the one that I prefer, this is what I always use, kind of the middle one. The other one is a little bit smaller, that's a nine inch bar spoon. Uh, When it comes to the tools, I do always like to throw in this tidbit because there's some fun information that I think is interesting. The true end for stirring on these cocktails is this end without the spoon. Other craft bartenders uh, of our style will definitely debate this. This has been a thing for a while, but historically, it's not true. This is that. This end is... Originally intended for a measuring device, that so you'll sense. see cool. certain certain cocktails that will ask for a bar spoon of something, um, perhaps like the amount of absinthe in a Sazerac mm-hmm. reference or something like that. That's where that will come from. It equals somewhere around an eighth of an ounce, give or take. It's a little bit less, but that's historically what it's used for. Mm-hmm. I do still stir with this in, in the uh, in the glass because there's there is a kind of fun reward for learning how to do that good but so use whatever end that you like and I'll show you the the versions that you can do uh, here either way all that really matters is the amount of times that you stir it the right recipe and the right amount of ice so we're going to use the old-fashioned today going into the cocktail uh... that uh... oh and I forgot sorry there's two intakes. one in front of you the most important thing actually and I actually I do this every single class forget to say this and have to pause and do it so this is an accurate recording those are jiggers. So every single cocktail that we're going to make, it's important to have the right ratio, the right amount of stuff. This is definitely not a a class for margins and bar numbers and finances. It's not about that. It's about just having a proper cocktail when it comes to the amount of stuff you put in. I don't know how to free pour. I can't flip bottles behind my back and catch them and free pour it into a glass. I've never worked anywhere where I wasn't using a jigger but these are what you're gonna to use today. So all you have to remember for using them, and I have two examples. So everyone that has the bell-shaped one, this is the only style that I use. This is my preference, this is a Leopold. This is, it's just more it's more ergonomic, it's more fitting to me. I just kinda of like the style. The other one is a Japanese jigger. Uh, those are the same size, and I'll tell you the ounces on them so you know what you're doing with them. If you're sourcing those kind of things, that can be sometimes confusing because the Japanese jiggers they have a kind of style that is like very very clinical very structured and there are multiple sizes you might see different ones including I keep this back here just for this this is half that size and there are two others you'll often see four of them in a row in Japanese style bartending where it's used to be be sometimes all at once in your hand which I also cannot do. Uh, The only thing you have to know today is either one that you decide to use the large size the large bell or the large conical side on the Japanese jigger is two ounces to the top, to the top, not to the top line, to the very, very brim, and then the opposite on the other side to one ounce. The little lines inside will tell you it goes down, uh, and as the aforementioned story earlier, they go down in 25% or one-quarter increments. (laughs) So the line on the big side would be an ounce and a half, the line on the small side would be 0.75 or three-quarter. Mm-hmm. The old-fashioned is going to let us use both sides of this a little bit, and both jiggers are the exact same. Okay. And then the last part that I shockingly didn't forget, and it's not really a tool, but I can't express how useful they are if you're going to make a lot of stuff, is that all the bottles have pour spouts in them. If anyone wants, take one out and try to pour it and see how it's much slower, it's much less efficient, it's much more non-controlled. So, a non-cool thing to talk about, but an essential thing to get. All right, so we're going to make the cocktail. The old-fashioned, uh, we pick because, well, there's a couple reasons. One, I can't pick everything. I'd love to have a class set up where I have two or three options per section, but as you can see, this is a, a large amount of stuff. We open up later, it kind of runs into uh, each other, and I've tried before, and it becomes a little unhinged. There's a lot of stuff everywhere. I pick the old-fashioned, not entirely because it's made with rye that we make here at Echo Spirits. So, yeah, you know, that's part of it. But it is, I would say, at every bar that I've ever worked at, it is the most ordered cocktail we've ever had. The most ordered cocktail in the world. Anyone know what that is by chance? It's Manhattan. No, but you got the right first two letters.
1: Martini.
2: Still right first two letters. The <laughs> first three.
1: Margarita. <laughs>
2: Margarita. It is, and it's for. For decades, it's the most ordered cocktail worldwide (laughs) However in our sort of setting and the kind of style bars. I've been at the old-fashioned is definitely the most ordered Outside of like specialty like our own cocktails and usually even beating that and it is done a lot of ways So when we get into that, I'm gonna just make it and then as we're having it I'll talk about some of the other versions that exist and that are perfectly fine and whatever version you like That's what you should make Uh, And we're going to use rye whiskey on this cocktail because it is the accurate spirit, uh, honestly, even if we didn't make it, that was used in these classic cocktails. The Manhattan, the Sazerac, the Vieux Coure, these were all rye whiskey cocktails. Bourbon came later. If you like bourbon, perfectly fine. Bourbon's going to have more caramel, more toffee, more sweetness to it. Mm -hmm. Rye's going to lend itself to a more peppery and slightly stronger note to it. You know, obviously, you can get another whiskeys with Irish and Scotches as well. We're going to use ours. The sugar source, uh, everyone has one that says Demerara. Uh, truth be told, this is turbinado, which is useful because those are both uh, sugars made from, from sugar cane, from raw sources. Turbinado is made from the first pressing of sugar cane, so it's going to have a little less toffee and caramel sweetness than demerara because it's the first pressing turned into a refined sugar. Demerara is a few steps further. Both of those are accurate. Like if you get sugar in the raw, the brown sugar, like at, at Starbucks, that's that's what we make this. Then this is simple syrup. Everyone knows what simple syrup is? Which is fifty percent, you know, essentially a half and half to sugar and water. You can do rich simples with a different proportion, but we're going to use that because it's the most efficient versus sugar cubes, which you won't find anywhere. You won't find raw sugar cubes barely online. It's not really a thing that exists, and it's a bit antiquated. And I don't recommend it. And this this is the quicker version. Uh, and then the two bitters. Uh, we talked about bitters earlier. We're going to use orange bitters because an old an old fashioned has to have orange in it. I'm not going to do it today, but we can talk about it. The other 100% equal to me, equivalent, traditional, original version of an old fashioned, uses the orange peel only, muddled with the sugar and the bitters, and then the, the rye whiskey. I actually love that just as much, actually at Denmark, where we mentioned earlier, that's how we always used to serve this one. We use orange bitters here just because it's a, it's a cleaner, it's the most clean kind of a crystalline classic sort of style. Pick either of those. The one part you're gonna wonder about here, if anyone is, if you're wondering where the cherry is, there's no cherry in an Old Fashioned. It's become a, I think probably something that happened because of the success of the Manhattan and that uses a cherry as a garnish and they kinda got mashed up over the years. And then you might see the fruit salad version that I call uh, an Old Fashioned, which is the places who take the whole orange wedge and a cherry and just muddle all this mush up into it and you get this big pulpy sort of thing. Definitely a sort of, I think, uh, Mad Men, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's how they make it on that show. So that probably didn't help. We'll, we'll wrench in another place when it comes <laughs> another movie or film that uh, has kind of affected the cocktail history thereafter. But those are the, uh, the ingredients you're going to use in this cocktail. Uh, we have Regan's uh, for the orange bitters today. There's tons of orange bitters. I recommend these. Angostura, this is an aromatic bitter, so Angostura is a brand, aromatic is the style, but this is uh, something from the, uh, the early mid-1800s, Trinidad and Tobago. Secret ingredients, but like all bitters, it's got barks and herbs and roots and spices. It's absolutely delicious, and it's quintessential. It's, you cannot make a Manhattan, an Old Fashioned, or a Vieux or a Sazerac without this bitter. This is the king of bitters. If there's only one bitter at your local store or at your home, it's this one. But essentially, think of bitters as the spice cabinet, for your bar. So if you got your basil and oregano and all the rest for your cooking, you have bitters for your ending, And those are the ingredients. The difference between simple syrups made with raw sugar, whether demerara, or Turbinado, and white refined sugar, which we're going to use coming up next, is just that it's a richness of flavor. If you use regular simple syrup in your old-fashioned it's still gonna work it's just gonna have a little bit less, less depth of flavor yeah all right so here's here's how we're gonna you guys ready to actually make a Let's cocktail yeah. all right this happens every class I'm just about like parched by this point and really <laughs> annoyed by myself for talking that long but we're ready now I've got these little pedestals so uh, so that you can everyone can see it you guys can see
1: Yes. Yep, can see all right
2: so uh, some of this will will be a bit loud here so when building a cocktail whether stir shade shaken or stirred, you want to build the cocktail first. Don't, have, don't put your ice in first. There's a couple different reasons. Uh, it's because something you could get distracted. It's best to do this also if you're building multiple cocktails in one vessel, which you can definitely do. This will help you have the right amount, uh, the right formula in there. So you would uh, start, I would typically start with your sugars or your bitters or your citrus if you're doing a, a shaking cocktail because they're less valuable. If you mess up, if you forgot what you were putting in there, if you put too much or you weren't sure, it's easy to dump out a little bit of sugar or lime. It's harder to dump out two ounces of a delicious rye whiskey. So I would typically go in that order. Behind the bar, we definitely do it uh, in, in that style. So again, this is going to be the small side of your jigger. I have the recipe listed here with a half ounce of your raw sugar of Demerara, mm-hmm. uh, which is just going to be the middle line. The one thing I would add to that, if you that's kind of the, uh, the accepted version. If you have the idea that maybe you like your old fashions a little bit more boozy. You can always start slower, go with with, with quarter, with 0.25 uh, ounces of the Demerara. You can always add to a cocktail when you're messing around with formulas. You can't take away. So that's just a general thing I would always use. If you're not sure, start with less. Afterwards, if you taste it and you're like, ooh, that's not quite there, I need it a little bit sweeter, you can add it. If you put too much, you can't take it away. You can only equal it out by adding more of everything else, which might be fun still. <laughs> so we're just going to take these and go to uh, that middle line, to the half ounce there. I'll stick with the uh, the original. And I'm sorry, I borrow your guys. Then the bitters. All right, and this part, this, this will be, actually, this will be the best use for this ever, that this is uh, an audio thing, because there's a hard way to teach the amount of bitters that you would put into a cocktail. We're talking milliliters. No one's going to measure that. That's not really something that's you can envision. So, I have this verbal thing that I do, <laughs> uh, and it's gonna be as follows. So, these bottles, these are Woozies, the W-O-O-Z-Y, these are the kind of bitters that come with these built into them, that have a little hole on the top and they're yep. for dashing. There are other styles, uh, I won't walk away from the microphone, but you can see down there, some bitters come with droppers. Droppers are more refined, you can control the amount, uh, and there are some other dashers that you can get that have a, a little bit more conical style that you can control with. The trick and at the class, everyone always does this is kind of treats these like the way they would maple syrup or something and kind of holds it sideways and just does this. Don't, you don't want to do that. It's, you want to commit to it. It's a dash. Here's the amount that I put in. I could give it to you in milliliters, but I have created this thing that I just do that is <laughs> verbal. And you're, I know it's goofy, but here's how it goes. So this is the Angostura straight up and down. Don't do it sideways. And you just go like this. <laughs> <laughs> that's it
0: you will remember
2: it and then the same for the orange bitters each of those it's kind of like one and a half one and a half so it
1: <laughs>
2: that, so if you get you get anyone need a pin that go it's
1: <laughs>
2: so those that's the amount. That is a good starting point. You can keep <laughs> refining this. You know, you can, I, I recommend Do it out loud. It's a perfectly fine. Let's <laughs> But put it in. You don't want to just go too light. And if, But if you do, you can taste the cocktail, and you'll find out afterwards if you have not enough. Yeah. Uh, and then the rye whiskey, the, the piece de resistance, you're going to go with two and a quarter ounces, which uh, is the, the recommended old-school recipe. It also lets us use both sides of the jigger, so you get used to being able to go with both of them. So you're going to go all the way to the tippy-top of the large size, flip it over, and then you just get that little bit extra down to that bottom line there. Then your ice that is in between both of every, every guest out here that you'll share. Uh, ice uh, as well is a huge thing. It's very, very important to cocktails. The style ice, uh, we'll get into that when, when you're serving it over and how we make that, but this is cold draft ice, which uh, is a machine that makes these, essentially we call these one-by-ones. The best cocktail ice for shaking and stirring. You can also get uh, silicone molds that you can make these at home, pretty much everywhere now. Better than anything, if, you got, if you're lucky enough to have the refrigerator that has the uh, the part that gives you ice out of the front. You know, like a dream, a dream goal of, a, of success for me that I'll, I'll have one day. How
1: much ice do we put
2: in? <laughs> so that's the key thing. Good, good question, man, Is most of it. You want to go about 75 or 80 percent cold. Don't underdo the ice. It's easy to just. Put ice up to the bottom level of where your your ingredients are, and think that that's enough. It's, you want to really, really fill it up most of the way, and that's a big reason why you would add it second. Then, once you've uh, once you've got all that added in, also on the ice, if all if you have the, that refrigerator thing that does it, those are good. The nice, the larger size, chipped ice or party ice, like gas station ice, it's the worst, especially for for it's not great for shaking or stirring, and it's definitely not good for serving over. I always everyone has ever has always agreed with us at the class ever been at a wedding and you go get a an old-fashioned or a whiskey or something with that chipped ice is like and it tastes like just whiskey with a water with a little bit of whiskey in it pretty quickly (laughs) these just hold up the fortitude of the of the 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 ice holds up better so when stirring again you can use either end you want this is going to be very easy and that's why it's meant to be if you want to do this style uh, the trick is to go along the outside of the glass like that, or the mixing glass like that. And in slow motion, it would look like this. I'm just passing it back and forth between these two fingers. I used to have a bartender who would hold it backwards and do it like this, perfectly fine as well. All that really matters is the amount of stirring. You want to stir it about 30 to 35 rotations. I'm a little obsessed with the number 33, so that's what I do. And in full speed, it would would look like this. And you'll see as you do that, the ice is going to kind of settle down into there, so you're going to see how quickly that's going to equal into the cocktail. And I'll move that to the side, put the glass up here. And then we're going to serve uh, the cocktail over these perfectly crystal clear handmade ice cubes that uh, I do always brag a little bit about our bar and about the style here that we make from beginning to end. We make them from scratch, we freeze them, we cut them. We do every single step. Uh, there are places, there are companies, there are there are even other bartenders, great bartenders in our city, who are selling these kind of these ice for Austin. It's around a dollar fifty or two dollars for a single ice cube, uh, which is amazing. It's very very classy ice, but I would add, it's water. And <laughs> if you want to know the technique for how to make crystal clear big ice blocks. I do this at every class, I'll I'll tell you exactly how, and it's not that hard. It takes time, it takes maintenance, it takes uh, being on top of it, but it's really not that difficult a thing to do. I couldn't serve ice that wasn't in this style in our st- sort of place just because it's it's definitely an aesthetic. That matters to us. A lot of bartenders maybe wouldn't admit that, but it does have a flavor value that is better. I don't think it's as large as sometimes we like to insa- to say but it's much nicer. If you, anyone have the like big silicone molds that make Mm -hmm. the two by two ice cubes at home? I use those at home, they work fine, but I call them marshmallow ice because they come out really white and kinda, (laughs) it's it's less sexy and a little bit uh, less nice flavor. But the most important thing is that on these kind of cocktails that you're gonna serve over ice, uh, the opposite of that being up, which we will talk about on on the Daiquiri, uh, is that it holds up that, that backbone of that cocktail. It's not gonna melt, but it's gonna stay cold. and It's gonna look nice. If you use the other ice, it's going to be perfectly fine as long as it, I recommend the uh, the bigger ones. So then you're going to take your julep strainer, either this way or that way. Either way, uh, and then you're going to hold if, whatever way you're comfortable. Someone someone holds it different ways all the time, but you can see how this versus the coils of the Hawthorne strainer could chip your chip your uh, your mixing glass real easy. So you're just going to pour it over, and you'll see that this is what you're looking for. As soon as you go over that ice, you almost can't tell it's in there. It's got that beautiful, sexy, clear look, and it's gonna have the uh, the cocktails look, which is that kind of clarity, that gossamer sort of look. And in the finish, 360 degree cocktails are, are definitely uh, very important to me and to our bar here. Garnishes have a lot of importance, both I like the look, I like the style, there's a lot of fun to have with it, and there are certain ones that need it, including this one. The orange peel is, is essential. Not, the, the, like say the Negroni, if anyone's familiar with that, that cocktail is not a Negroni without an orange peel. Like that is both a garnish and, and a flavor. Same with this, so all that really matters is that you get an orange peel and express it over it. If you've not used these before or you're uncomfortable, the best way that we would do is to express it over top of the glass. All these little orange oils will shoot out everywhere. One of these times I'm gonna get a little spotlight so you can see, but that's the easiest way. Sometimes at the class someone tries that and, you, and then that happens, that little piece falls off. If that does, these are the easiest ways, whether you put it on a surface or just right against yourself. Take the peeler and just if you just kinda of go left to right, and just go slowly because you want a large peel if you're uncomfortable with the other way. That above all is what you want and for the thing I'm going to show you next, I'm going to do two at once. So you get a nice long peel. You want that peel. You don't want the, uh, the white part underneath the peel. That's the pith, which when I have that on my, pe- on my peel, it really pithes me off.
1: <laughs>
2: no? no hey when i was in second grade i had to go i had to go to speech class and and say like a hundred times without going to get to get out of speech class so leave me alone in my my second my, my second grade trauma all that really matters is that you want those just those oils if it doesn't if it doesn't matter how it looks so what twist it rim it and put it in the cocktail However, it's a class, I might as well send you guys home with something useful here. Also, everyone has cutting boards and peelers in between each of you here. You could take, I'm going to borrow this knife, easy thing to do. The first step, and I don't know if you can't see, I'm using these as a little cutting board. Just take the knife and cut off, you're, you're manicuring it, so you're just kind of cutting off those little rough edges from the peel. Easiest one to do is this, this rhombus, which just makes this little shape here. Then you have this nice little ribbon. Same thing, looks looks nicer. You could also take that same ribbon, cut a little slit in the middle, bend it in half. And if you put that on the edge, then you've got this nice little ribbon. And if you really want to have fun, which is, uh, and I'm walking away for a second. I do this for all of our cocktails here and it's a discovery we've had. Scrap looking scissors. <laughs> you can use these and yeah. it's easier. And you get this kind of, that was a little that was a little rough there. You get this kind of cool little ribbon look on it as well. So those are just things you can do for fun. All that matters when it comes down to the cocktail and the flavor is that you need a peel on it. I'm gonna stick with that one. And we have an old wow. fashioned. So when, as you fill your uh, cocktail, the, uh, gla- you should have that little bit of space at the top. That's called the wash line. So where you fill your cocktail up to, that's going to be, you don't want them to be all the way to the, the very, that one's a little sideways, there you go, to the very, very tippy top. But the size of the ice that you cut, and we cut these uh, by hand. Uh, actually, Eric, our bartender, does most of them, and he's very good at it. And, and preferred that way because you could use a saw. You can use a, like a miter or a bandsaw and have these perfect squares. I like the, the fact that this is clearly made from somebody, so that's the, the kind of style that we have, and those are, are made in house like that. Oranges front kind of, what's that? What does he use to cut them? Just like a saw? Or yeah. Well, a so he, we he have a just a little hand saw, and we oh, do yeah. use uh, that to score it, and then the rest is a, a serrated knife. It's just, and you can see the the lines on the sides of all the glass. Yeah. Looking good. Any any questions as you as you're making them? Look at that. I, uh, that's a that's a perfect wash line right there <laughs> do you have a preferred um like peeler brand or anything like that uh well, i like the kind of i like these peelers that we have because you can replace those blades and i get the preference to people usually comes down to whether you like using the type that it's kind of like this on the side it's like the handle and the blade faces the same way yeah some people like using that style i uh, i won't lie i had a when I first started craft bartending, that was what we had, and I cut my hands so many times the first, like, month <laughs> that I have been averse to it, but some people have preferences for those. You can also get the same style here, which, since people are listening, I guess, is kind of like a razor like a, that you would use, like yep. the, yeah. the style of it, the shape of it. You can get those plastic ones that are just, like, potato peelers for the kitchen for, like, $1.79 at, you know, the grocery or whatever. They actually work great, but they're going to get dull a couple months in if you use them a lot, yeah, these can be replaced, but they both work. Cheers. cheers! Cheers! Cheers, indeed. Oh, cheers! Cheers! Yeah, and ask ask anything you like as we do. As, I'll take this cocktail Ooh. then, cheers. and I'll show you as cheers. promised the uh, the shaken okay, version nice of it and how different it would be.
1: Oh yeah, that's delicious.
2: Really good. So if you're as you're tasting then you and, and you say you like I like a little bit more orange, add a little bit more orange bitters. If you want it to have a little bit more depth to it, that those angostura bitters are gonna have a couple flavors. They're gonna have sort of baking spices, a little bit of mintiness. You can add more, and I can tell that everyone went pretty moderate because if you use more, it's gonna have more of an amber color to it. And you can tell when you're messing around with it, and you can just keep screwing around with that cocktail like that. Also with the Angostura bitters. Do be warned if you spill it on on your clothing, it's like a Dexter uh, murder scene. It's it will not come out. It's like blood <laughs> everywhere, but it's got a lot of uh, value in the in the flavor of it. And then the the Demerara or the Turbinado or the simple syrup will change that as well. The part earlier that I mentioned that I will use one now when we're going to use things that you could extrapolate from this cocktail to have use for you later. This this recipe essentially leads to. Well you will work for lots of stirred cocktails so say you switched out the rye whiskey and you were into to mezcal or a cognac then you could you could sub that and you could make a simple syrup with, with jalapenos or, some, or, or chipotle or some sort of spice to it and use that with mezcal or tequila you could add a different bitter you could add a lavender bitter to this and have it change so That exact formula with different ingredients will let you, a lot of stirred stuff. If you have your spirits and your sugars and your bitters, you will be able to make a lot of stuff from that. And this comes from uh, the Sazerac that I think we were mentioning earlier off air, which is, that's the first cocktail. It's essentially the first description of a cocktail, which is the combination of bitter, sugar, water, and spirits. The old fashioned came out of that 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 sort of realm as well. So, this is kind of the the genesis of that that entire history. And a lot of stirred cocktails you have really are riffs on on this style, and one of many, very few. Mm. Oh, that's right. I got to. I'll shake this for you. While I'll show you guys how different it would be if you haven't ever seen this. Any any questions as I do it? That? That's Jesse, by the way. All right, so this <gasps> is the old-fashioned. If you had shaken it, and this is why this is sh- this is meant to exemplify how important that is, it would look like this.
1: <gasps> that is,
2: that is literally not. It's not just the exact same. It's the exact same cocktail. I, the one I just made. It's so frothy. And that, you don't want, that looks, if, if someone told you that was like an orange creamsicle sickle whatever sort of thing, it would be delicious. <laughs> Not as an old fashioned.
0: Uh,
2: and then the part that, a key part I forgot, to, and the most important as we're finishing this part that I, when it comes to stirring cocktails, it's be, the terms that we typically use are you don't want to, you don't want to bruise the spirit. And that is usually used for gin. Uh, so the martini being one the other quintessential kind of like standard stirred cocktail. Which, if anyone's picturing right now, James Bond in your head, that's thanks to the movies, the books don't do that that is not uh what James Bond drank or what he ordered. I would uh also guess much like earlier that uh us dudes males we uh we we're, we're idiots, and we probably were extra idiotic in the sixties uh, and made a movie and thought let's make them sound tough and have them say, shaken, not stirred, and it has screwed up this thing forever. If there was one <laughs> cocktail, above all there is, and all the cocktails in the world, the martini is the one you should never, ever, ever shake. Uh, and the martini, by definition, the only thing that is a martini is gin, dry vermouth, and in either a twist of lemon or an olive garnish. Nothing else is that, by definition. But the term martini has been mm-hmm. anything in a stem glass, you know, with bubble gum and pomegranate and nerds candy teeny it's just went that way and then when we talk about the daiquiri there's a there's a history of why those terms got used that way but that would be the uh, the ultimate one you don't want to so when it comes to that cocktail not bruising the spirit is a term used because gin has these delicate these floral natures these botanicals that you don't want to bruise you want to get it nice and really cold and chilled and boozy and you want to taste that when it comes to spirits made with aged uh, ingredients like uh, whiskeys that are aged in oak barrels you want the reward of the aging whether it's the amount of time or the oak or the temperature uh, or the grains obviously that are used in it you want to be able to taste that and you will not taste that in this cocktail right here that has just been destroyed I talk about molecules in these classes a lot and when it comes to the way we make crystal clear ice. If anyone's curious about that, still I'll tell you. And when it comes to shaking cocktails, you are you are really sending those molecules all over the place, and you want that when you shake stuff. You don't when you are using uh, stirred ingredients like this. Derek, can
1: we straw taste that? Yeah, let's oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. go for ice. it. Yeah, pass it around.
2: I'll grab you some from my my
1: fancy
2: straw section here that I made from. Uh, I think these are made for bonsais, but I turned They're them so into creative. like little magnetic <laughs> holders. <laughs> if anyone wants.
0: Them. Yeah, it's not, put
2: them not as boozy like it's, it's supposed to that.
0: be. Really? <laughs> 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 Sounds weird.
2: No, and the foam just tastes weird. It's, yeah, it
1: doesn't,
0: it doesn't taste. <laughs> yeah, bad. and
2: yeah, compared to it, you're just you're. It's not that it's gonna taste bad. It's just not. You're no, getting a lot less bad. reward. Yeah, okay that was being it's nice. So. <laughs> no,
1: it's weird. Yeah,
2: don't don't I'm shake good. that. Definitely don't shake a, a Manhattan. <laughs> that is a cocktail I've seen shaken uh, for me at a few bars three times in the last two years and it's a... Uh, Did you I'm make not, them
1: remake it? No,
2: I'm not the... Paper I don't milk? usually say any. It depends on where I'm at. It's and, a tragedy. But, yeah, a couple of them were at places where it was, really, it was a bit surprising and it, it it definitely still happens. Yeah, if you see that, you know.
1: Shake your maracas, shake your tail feathers, don't shake my
2: manhattan. See, now that's the second thing you should put on a T-shirt. That that would work perfectly.
1: A martini again, it's, it's Jen, it's... What else were you Yeah,
2: parties. a true... A, a, the... So, martini is a weird one to describe because it also can sound like a a snooty, sunny thing. We often get vodka requests as well. That can still be a martini, a vodka martini. But the original definition of that cocktail is gin, dry vermouth. That is a, it's a polarizing flavor too as well. Some people use a little bit less, a little bit more. Winston Churchill had this famous quote that he used to say that because he a lot of people, people mainly just want a bunch of cold gin. <laughs> and he would say to him, stir X amount of gin, get it extremely cold, take the bottle of dry vermouth and put it next to the glass so that the shun would shine, shine through it and mm-hmm. just imbue it with it. He didn't want any of it in there. So dry vermouth <laughs> has this kind of this distinct sort of sour flavor, depending on how you use it. I love and it. since we that's I actually remember this week, since vermouth came up, it's not technically in anything we're making today. But it's turned out to be a useful thing to teach at the classes. A lot of the reason people don't like vermouths, whether it's sweet vermouth in your Manhattans and such or dry vermouth, is that you often might get it from a bar who leaves it sitting out in their well. You and it's not necessarily a known thing. You have to refrigerate your your vermouths. It's essential. (laughs) If you they're shelf stable when you buy them. Once you open them, it's not gonna go it's not it is you know, it's a fortified wine, so it's gonna get weird soon, but You've got two or so, maybe three weeks, where it's, it's going to be fine. If you're at a bar and you're crap and you're just going through it all the time, so be it. But we keep ours in our refrigerator at all times. And if you don't, it gets very odd and sour. And it's often the reason that people think they don't like that ingredient. And it's not because of the ingredient itself. It's because of the way it was stored. So if you got vermouths or sherrys, uh, there's a couple other ingredients like that as well once they're open put them in the refrigerator you and mean, if you do you got to... the whole you know it's fine for the whole next year it's, it's perfectly fine
0: the other thing that we've found is that the vermouth that you buy the brand matters mm-hmm. yeah. there's a lot of for bad sure.
2: vermouth out there that should never be consumed
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah that not... sh- there's and there's like there's good value versions there's for like 8.99 or so there's a brand called Noli Pratt I like yeah. it I think it's good we this is uh, we use Dolan here typically, which is in about twice that it's fifteen or sixteen or so. You can get into Carpano Antico, which people really, really love. It lends itself to a lot of value in a Manhattan. It can be distracting in say like a Negroni, it can be too much, and it's you know, it's double that, so it's you no know, thirty or four or $5, or five dollar version. Uh, VIA is another great brand, and I'm gonna I won't mention brands of the other ones, but basically the ones that are like four ninety nine or five ninety nine, just skip those. So
1: I have a question. When yeah. you're ordering a, a martini, mm-hmm. so I love a gin martini. I love vermouth. So I know when you don't love vermouth, you say dry. I want a dry martini. Do I say ah. that because I like a lot of vermouth? No. So what do I say? That's a
2: man. That's a great question, and I have never gotten asked that at the class. And it's such a, a confusing history. When you say when you order a martini and you want it dry or extra dry, you want less vermouth. You want more gin. It's because gin, the London style gins are dry gins and you just, you basically, kind of like that Winston Churchill story, you want a lot of the gin flavor and much less vermouth, like sometimes a bar spoon, <laughs> apropos, or less, or sometimes a dash. You can use a little atomizer or just a little dropper to put just a tiny little bit in and that's what you would want if you say dry. It doesn't mean extra dry vermouth, which is definitely confusing since it's literally in the name of the, of the product that's a good question. Yeah, that's never gotten asked. And I haven't told that story for a while, but that is unquestionably a thing that gets forgotten. We usually lead with asking, I just will say, what's your gin of preference? And it lets me know if someone then says, oh, I was preferring vodka. It's our way of finding out without being, we're not like poking. We're we're just trying to find out, but trying to keep it accurate. Mm -hmm. So the this part is, is, is saved for the last because of the alliteration. It's fun. And this is also the most fun to finish with. It also is a little bit easier to keep track of. Sometimes at the class, everyone's... We've had a few, and it, it kind of gets a, a little lost. Really easy when it comes to, uh, to the ingredients. And we've kind of done some precursors to what we're leading into. So we're shaking. Uh, now we know that we're mainly doing that because there's citrus in here. It's the easiest thing to determine. If that's in it, it's absolute. There's no cocktail that has citrus that you wouldn't shake. There's a few that I feel like you could get a little bit of away with it, like maybe a French 75. That a little bit of the lemon because you got all the prosecco and the bubbles, you maybe could. But I still would, and that, be, that is because you want to agitate that that ingredients. and that's the term. I didn't invent that. It's where that same molecule thing. You want the total opposite. You don't want. You want the cocktail to look like what we made the shaken old fashioned look like. You want. Froth. You want non-clarity. You want opaqueness, and you want more volume. You want to. You want more of that to be opened up for a, so a more aggressive shake. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's a little science. bit of a, a little laboratory. Yes, <laughs> blinded me with science, <laughs> or my dumb Swahili stories. <laughs> uh, the cocktail, though, uh, that we're going to get into, and since we kind of have a, a little bit of a head start on why we're shaking it, mm-hmm. uh, is a Dacker, uh, and I always ask it at the class. This class is not going to have this reaction, but I usually ask uh, if anyone looked ahead at the list and saw that there was a daiquiri, if they were wondering uh, if I was going to bring a blender out, which I don't (laughs) guess any of you were, but if this is useful for the recording, typically most of the class is nodding very strongly in approval that that's what they thought, and that's another one of those kind of things like we were talking about the martini. The history of that sort of stuff kind of got convoluted, I don't know the exact answer. A lot of these things don't have exact answers, but rum had uh, a period of time. It's got a great historic history, and a great historical aspect to it. But it also had a period of time where it was not in favor and cheap and easy. And we were in the '80s and '90s, and you got TGI Fridays and, and Chili's in these places, and you're making these frozen blender drinks that can be great. It's also not like it's a. Un, it's not like it's not good. It's not a daiquiri, though. I think that just the history of the daiquiri was something that they were aware of. They used rum because it was cheap to put into their machines and make strawberry daiquiris, and it just kind of got associated with that. However, that's not a daiquiri. Uh, I'll just, that's my one other firm point on that. It's because of that history. The daiquiri, though, is a, is a great cocktail with a great history. It comes from the late 18, 1898, uh, from the Floridita Bar in Cuba. Uh, a lot of the great rum stuff comes from Cuba. It's a uh, it's got a, a great great rum history. Also associated a lot with the uh, the greatest uh, of the Bohemian sort of artists. Uh, has anyone ever seen like Midnight in Paris, the great Woody Allen movie, which my favorite director uh, ever? It's you know it's got Ernest Hemingway and F, F Scott Fitzgerald and all the rest of them and they're drinking all of these kind of drinks like this. Hemingway himself. Was a huge daiquiri fan. He drank all of these kind of things a lot. Also, a legend, maybe the maybe the most famous drinker of all time. He, you know, he's up there, like top level. So much so that eventually there was a version of the daiquiri that became the Hemingway daiquiri that was created for him because he loved it so much. But he was diabetic. Uh, he shouldn't be drinking it. And it's a great, great alternate to this uh, to this cocktail. But the cocktail itself. Is both uh, useful because one, yes, it's made from white rum, which we make. This is the first product we made at Echo Spirits, uh, and you can get different components out of different rums. And I'll do that as we as we finish and give you some examples of how you can alter this, extrapolate this cocktail. That's only two. I think I'm going to end on two. I don't think mm-hmm. I'll get to three. Uh, you will be able to uh, get different flavors out of different rums, and I'll explain that part. But it's also a perfect example of a style. So there's a lot of cocktails that have parts. There are four equal parts, three equal parts. There are two to ones, which this is, which would be a Manhattan. There are also sours, and a daiquiri is a sour. So you can use this to make tons of stuff. This is like an easy, easy basis for many, many cocktails, which I could use that word here for now, but I won't. Sub all these for different other, sub this for tequila, sub lemon, some grapefruit, and you've got a whole bunch of different cocktails. Sours are two parts of spirit to one part citrus to one part sugar. So whether it's grapefruit or lime or lemon, that's gonna be your citrus. Whether the sugar is a raw sugar or a demerara or a simple syrup or a raspberry simple syrup that you made at home or a mint syrup or a spice like clove syrup, all that will, will work perfectly fine on this. Two parts instead of ounces. I, I like to use that because that lets you create the ratio that you want that will fit either your glass or your vessel or your afternoon. So perhaps you got it at a backyard in the summer and you want a big old cocktail and you want to go sit in your hammock, you don't have to necessarily follow this ounce formula, just do parts. As long as it's double to half, make a big gigantic one and fill this whole thing up and, you know, you don't have to get back out of the hammock. So parts are useful. We're going to use the traditional recipe, which is two ounces of white rum to one ounce of lime and one ounce of simple. This part I know is probably going to be redundant to everyone here, but I do this at every class. This is one thing that is, it's essential this is one of those other undeniable parts that I will not be I don't I wouldn't budge on you can't fake citrus at all this is so this is this is fresh juice stuff just for for the class for you guys here didn't just end up in there from a bottle the only thing that's better uh, than that would be using a juicer a hand presser which is usually right there and doing it right for your, so if you're just making one for yourself and you got fresh fruit at home cut the lime in half and squeeze out the amount you need nothing's better than that when it comes to fresh, uh, pressing fresh juices, we would do that for our bar here. We do everything fresh juiced and serve it within 72 hours. That means that it's, it's at its best, its height, its peak. It's got the most acidity, the most reward for the flavor. That doesn't mean that it went bad. If you fresh pressed juice at home and you kept it in your refrigerator, which would be key as well as the vermouth, for you know, a week or so, it's not gonna turn. It's not gonna go bad. It's gonna lose that punch. It's gonna lose that like that flavor. The thing that will not work would be like the lime juices you buy. I should quit talking brands, but like Rose's Lime Juice or brands that you buy off the shelf. They gross. would work, but they are not close. Yeah, they are gross. It's a, it's a totally different thing. It's one of those magic things about nature that you just can't fake, and we love that kind of stuff. So the stuff that is implicitly fresh and undeniable, it matters. So I would always recommend that. If you make it with roses, lime juice, and you don't like it, don't blame me. If you don't like the dacker, if you do that, uh, and then both for the uh, the usefulness of the class, uh, and as well as the reason I would usually uh, use this kind of sugar, we use this is just simple simple syrup, like regular. I would let you know the the container that we have our white sugar in back there says regular ass white simple syrup. That's the description right on the label. This is just your re- white sugar, and there's a reason for that. If you use the raw sugar or demerara turbinado we did earlier, you're gonna have a drink when it comes to a daiquiri. It's gonna have less of a, a value in its aesthetic, like its look, it's gonna kinda of be brown and muddy looking. Mm. Not the biggest thing in the world, but you're still gonna get a flavor, it's still gonna be good. It's gonna have more depth of flavor. I use white refined sugar and daiquiris cause it should have like a nice kind of like bright green sort of look to it. So it's more based off it not taking away from the rum cause the is gonna have a lot of that kind of flavor already built into it that you don't need. And it lets us see both sugar sources for the class. So it has a, uh, it does both aspects. So this is going to be a very easy one to make.
1: Can I ask a question about the juice? Definitely. So I know some lemons and limes are juicier than others. Like yeah, yeah, juice. for sure. Are some more sour than others? Like should you taste your juice?
2: Yes, definitely. Like- yeah, you should, you definitely should. And like I would that got asked uh, at the last class too and that's a good one because you also see like key limes when it comes to limes Mm -hmm. or Meyer lemons and different sort of versions of it and they're going to have different flavor profiles like Meyer lemons are typically used more in baking and uh key limes key limes as well they're going to have either a sweeter or more sour taste just stick with the limes or lemons like the straight up versions of it and it's going to change throughout the year if you get them frequently you'll see i mean especially lemons they will drum in actually both they will dramatically increase in size and when it comes to lemons sometimes they get huge but it's the peel and you get much less out of the, the actual juice on the inside so it does change if you're using them a lot so yeah i would definitely taste them based on where you're sourcing them from and that's a hard thing to to manage because they're coming from all over the world but technically the answer is always on the little sticker on there it'll tell you the country of origin and the time of year you'll see limes go like this big and then this size and they also will sometimes jump up dramatically in price and change so it, the year will change but with with the citrus source that you have for sure the usual component for the amount you get is a lime is about an ounce and like maybe a little over for a lemon on the amount of juice you get out of it. But if you're hand pressing, use a jigger. And I did forget to mention earlier, the other version is the style right here, this is like OXO, which is a brand. Technically, I would call this more accurate. It's less cool. If it doesn't look cool to be looking down in the top of it doing it all the time, but these work as well. And I, it took me. it takes a while to train yourself to use these other types of jiggers but it's cooler, it's smoother, and it, uh, it has a, a nicer look.
1: Is there a way to extrapolate more juice?
2: So, that doesn't count for, for me. me. <laughs> also, I'm not even sure that was accurately used. But.
1: <laughs> Is there a way to get more juice out? Like, should you, I've seen things where they say microwave it for like five seconds or something. Oh, really? Like that, or, mm-hmm. I've, yeah. I've read many things. Yes, yeah, Roll there on are. On the counter. Yeah,
2: problem. if you use like, a, a, like a, a citrus reamer, like it's just, you know, just kind of like, the little, mm-hmm. I don't know, like cone that you're kind of just squishing it on, you're going to probably get the least. If you use the hand press, you can get quite a bit out of that. We have the juicers that are essentially that, that that, that rotate, that move, and you're going to get a lot. I think you get the most out of that, and it's it's definitely more efficient. Like, doing, clipping, opening the thing and doing that every single time can be a little burdensome. I would recommend one that is... You can get, like, the, the Juice van or, like, the other brands that they sell at, like, Target and stuff. Is that you? Are you the Juice Man? That's you? You're the Juice Man? <laughs> the juice is loose? You can get those for, like, 30 or 40 bucks. You get to the, the Minute Maid makes this one that's, like, an industrial one that restaurants and bars use. That, like, the jump is quick. It goes up to, like, two, 250 or so for that style. We don't even have that, and we, we've gotten by with the one that we use so far. It's more efficient. And then there's a hand press, the big crank one. I think that's, like, the best middle ground. And the only way to really know is to test one versus the other and measure what you get. And when you do juice fresh, take it and then strain it out afterwards because you're going to get a whole bunch of pulp. So that is an important thing that we do. When we juice it, we then strain all that pulp out. Or you don't really have an accurate value on the amount of citrus that you're adding into the cocktail because that pulp is taking up that extra space. Even if you're straining it out afterwards, which... I'll show you why that matters when we make this cocktail. Man, you guys are setting me up on all the segues here. <laughs> all right, so this one, same as before, you're gonna build in the glass, uh, and you're gonna do the uh, the secondary ingredients uh, minus the main spirit first.
1: So we use the smaller part. Of yes. That?
2: So yeah. So I, and then on the tools, you have this is a Boston shaker set. Anyone have a shaker set at home that is, a, you have the picture on your diagram, the cobbler set, which is. Yeah essentially like this and it has the top and the thing mm-hmm. you use that yeah. how often do you do that and you can't get that top part off all yes. the time it's all the time I highly don't recommend them I call those like old like supper club style it's kind of like a casual like sort of table side thing that existed in the 50s and so they're weirdly always the ones sold at like stores and not the Boston Shaker set which is what this style is if you're searching for these it's Boston Shaker set it'll often say 18 and 28 because this is 18 ounces this is 28 one. This is not something you ever see at a store. Like, I mean, you can go to a restaurant supply store like Wasserstrom, which anyone can go to, by the way. If you ever were thinking that you have to be... You have to have some card or something showing that you're in the industry, you don't. You can find these there, but otherwise you have to get them online. Uh, the reasons I recommend these are both because of that. It's very burdensome. It, it's because you add ice, the metal freezes, it condenses, it's hard to get off. It's really annoying. If that does happen, the ultimate is just do that. Just tap it on something, but... I don't like them uh, a whole lot. You also can't build multiple cocktails in those because they have less volume. This you could do three and even four. Like you could probably do four daiquiris in this if you really wanted. You could definitely do three. So when it comes to bartending and art, like behind the bar, I recommend these because of that. And then they're you'll see they're, they're they're also much more durable. And getting that that part off the top is is true. It happens all the time. But yeah, you build in the smaller vessel. Uh, and that's because of you want to keep the larger size uh, available for the amount of ice you want to add to it. If you guys start this at the class, I usually say that, and someone I see filling it up the other way, it's not, it's not going to kill it. But that's what, that's the way you should traditionally do it. Uh, I keep with the, the traditional sour recipe, which is, we're using parts, but we're going to go with ounces now, since we're talking about what we're actually putting in. you got two ounces, one ounce, very easy. We often will do a daiquiri. We'll, we'll take the, da- the lime and the sugar and take it down to 0.75 ounces just because it's a little bit more boozy. It's a little bit more craft cocktail style. Try that if you like, if you think that's what you might want to go with, and you can always add again. You can't take away. So do whichever you like. I actually like a daiquiri sticking with a traditional sour recipe, uh, which would also include the whiskey sour. All those all fit into that, except the whiskey sour it is one cocktail that you would put egg white into for that, that froth. So you're just going to take your fresh lime, and go all the way to the tippy top of the small side. Same thing with the simple syrup with white sugar, there's you guys. And then uh, when it comes to rum, our rum is kind of a, a hybrid. It's got flavor profiles of numerous things. Uh, we, use, uh, we use jaggery now, which is a, a type of sugar that's made from molasses and sugarcane that's refined, uh, traditionally associated with India. There's also panella or piloncillo that are kind of similar to this. Uh, If you get into the way we like to have a a daiquiris at the end of the night here at the bar, we'll get into the Jamaican rums and the Martinique rums that have flavor profiles that are made from pressed sugar cane, like like first, like not refined at all, which will not exist anywhere else in the world. You just don't have that if you don't live in a part of the world that can grow that. But they have uh, this funky, this vegetal note that we uh, we adore. They also are typically a bit higher proof. But our rum has uh, both of those components, a little touch of each. If you were to use something like, say, Bacardi, which uh, is a great distillery, their white rum, however, is kind of a forgettable thing. It's meant to be easy, clean, kind of like, like new, tasteless, odorless, and neutral, which is the definition of vodka. And I just did that totally wrong, you just out here washing. So you would take your ice on your large one, your large shaker, and you want to get the same thing, about 75, 80% full, pretty much to the top. Also, if you're as you're scooping your ice out now, just because of the class, sometimes it melts a little bit in there. If you do, take it and make sure that water rinses off. Our ice wells don't do that, but if you get a bunch of extra water, you're gonna overly dilute it. And then, the most fun part of the whole class, this is always a key one to watch, you're gonna take this side. Obviously, you got all your stuff, you got your liquid in here, you got your ice in here, uh, which I just messed up on because I should have liquid in here. I'm gonna pour that into there. And then you want to really oh, just put that. it in there. And so far, 100% success on that. One of these times, I might miss <laughs> it. But if you seal that good, it's going to stay upside down like that, like uh, you're getting a blizzard at Dairy Queen. You want that seal? It's going to take that that tin and kind of give it a little bow like that. And then shaking it, shake it however you want, however you're comfortable. Here's the only thing that matters. Last talk about molecules you want them being agitated you want them going, picture this end and this end being touched by your, each end of the shake not this, like here. someone often swirls it or kind of does this whatever way you're comfortable doing it that way to this end to this end and it, it would uh, in full motion look like this when you're done with that I'll tell you why I shook it that way and why I put it in that, that, that particular mm-hmm. angle. But you're going to have this little space on your shaker can. That's called the sweet spot. If you don't use that, I'm telling you, you can't. Okay, that <laughs> doesn't usually come out that easy. It's going to, well, you will find it's tough. What you do is take that open spot and just hit it like that. You can show off by making sure you show every drink of the every drop is getting in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you you just you just pop it. And it's a, it's it, it will uh, wear on you. And the reason mm-hmm. we so shake that it uh, over our shoulder like that is, that is ergonomics. For one, we do it a lot, and I'm not you can get tendonitis and stuff that has happened. But the most important part is we're listening to it. You want to hear that picture it going from each end to each end. There you go. there yeah. Just that's it. All right all right. I see you.
1: <laughs>
0: oh,
2: Does it does it why does it just bounce all around when I'm doing it? So then once you and this is the key thing, to don't get ahead of yourselves yet, yeah, those are all those were all good. That's undeniably the best shaken set of a of a glass <laughs> I've ever had, which is expected here. Uh, we, no one's ever dropped it but I've seen a lot of swirls uh, when you're so when pouring this out this is a key thing you could just use this hawthorne strainer and pour it into here if you do you're gonna get a bunch of ice shards on top of the glass uh, if you want that go for it but you don't <laughs> it's not a it's definitely not an aesthetic or a style that you want and then most importantly it's about flavor and I'll show you why adding the drink with the strainer into the glass without a secondary strain is gonna mess up your cocktail. So these are tea strainers that you all had uh, in front of the other one. You just would hold it with your other hand. You can you, Eventually you can do this thing where you hold both but I don't do that so I wouldn't recommend it. You're just gonna hold this tea strainer over the glass and catch all these ice shards. When you shake you add a lot. When you stir you don't. And I'll show you how much that would matter because as we pour this in, see so you get this nice it's opaque, it's got this kind of nice clear looking. you'll get a little bit of froth on the top. but. If you didn't use this, this strainer we have right here, if you see in my hand, all that all of that shaved ice right there, kind of that like... Oh, pr- uh,
0: yeah, slush.
2: That yeah. would end up in your drink. It's yeah. stylistically, you don't want it, and that's one small part. Most importantly, if you left it in there, that's water that's going to continue to, to loose the drink as it melts, and it's going to change the uh, the profile, the flavor of it. And then you should have a wash line that's... This is a big coop, so it's going to go perfect, actually. The only reason mine is a little bit is because I... Uh, saved it for a second, you're going to have a little bit of space on there. The Daiquiri... The Daiquiri is a, is a cocktail that I think is truly one of the few ones, it's, I think it's perfect just just like it is, it's perfectly fine like that. However, since it's a, a class here and there's always useful stuff to do, the, way I, the only way I would garnish it if you were ever interested is using, these are dehydrated limes. The advantage of this, there are many, is one, it's a sustainable thing. When we have limes that we didn't juice, we we're able to dehydrate them. You can do this in an oven. You can get a dehydrator for, you can get them for like 30 bucks now. They're pretty easy. They're often, they're also showing up at a lot of thrift stores, but they also float on the glass, so it has a great look. The flip side of that is that I would not, if you were to take a, a lime wedge, which sometimes happens when you get this, often this is called a classic daiquiri, which is just to distinguish itself. I don't know where you would ever order a classic daiquiri and then get that in case you were accidentally accidentally going to get a strawberry daiquiri that was frozen out of a blender. It's not going to happen. But if you did and you got a lime wedge on the side of your cocktail of any cocktail, what would be your instinct? What would you do with it?
1: Squeeze it.
2: You don't I don't recommend that at all. Matter of fact, I don't do it because you're going to change you're just you just added another probably Mm. quarter to a half ounce of lime to your cocktail. And it's going to change the whole profile
1: of it. So, but you have options. So if you would like more citrus, you
2: could. Do that. Yeah, you, yeah, you definitely could. And then, yeah, th- speaking of options, I'm. T- you guys are setting me up. This is. This should be the class every week. There you go. Well, I mean, we well, can do this. if you Most want. important. <laughs> Cheers, first of all. Cheers. 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 Yes.
1: Man, I love those, these those, classes those, so much. These are
2: yeah. new to uh, this Volume yeah. Five menu. Yeah, we've lost a few.
0: not
2: <laughs> bad and very, very
0: very I always
2: have a rotating list of my three favorite cocktails, like standards and classics of all time. And the daiquiri has been on it for quite a few years. The Negroni, the Last Word, and the Daiquiri that. are
0: that's
2: my delicious. top three. So when it, the I do have one left, right? When thinking of extrapolating,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the the uh,
0: and three instructions. Yeah. That's it.
2: Or the uh, the flavors here. You can go a lot of different ways with this. We uh, we do a thing. We often, at the end of the night, have a we, different bars I've worked at have called it different things, but we don't really have a name for the overall thing, but when we have it, we call it a snackery, which is kind of a bartender. It's like a daiquiri that's in a snack sort of size and a shot, which honestly, truly, in the shot glasses we use, it's not much different than a whole daiquiri. But we make it with all kinds, and you can go all over the place with this just in the daiquiri sort of category. You could do a split base with an aged rum and a white rum. You could the differences between these Jamaican rums that we mentioned, like Ray and Nephew and Rum Fire and Rum Bar, are going to be much different and much higher proof. You could add uh, like a floral secondary spirit. You could add a different bitter to it, and, and it would go all over the place. It's really easy to do. As long as the spirit base, the rum aspect of it, is still two ounces, and the rest is the same. It's still going to be – it's always going to work out. They really don't – it's hard to mess up. Say
1: so
2: what's in the Hemingway, because that's my favorite. Uh, the Hem- he, so, he uses grapefruit – uh, some recipes will call for grapefruit with a little bit of lime. Some just grapefruit. Uh, Luxardo liqueur, which is a, a beloved—the last word that I just mm-hmm. mentioned, which is mm-hmm. probably—it's hard. To, I don't have a number. One. I always—I always keep a, a running list of my three favorite classics of all time. Uh, this is uh, made from Morasca cherries. Uh, it's from Italy. However, saying that, when it's the first time anyone's ever had it, it's definitely. I've had the experience some years ago where. I describe that, and someone thinks they're getting like a, a like a cherry vodka or like some sort of. It's not. It's it, it is made from that, but its flavor profile is floral. It's very very flor like like botanical like that, uh, and then with the grapefruit, the lime, the Luxardo. Oh, and that's it. Yeah, that's the that's the the Hemingway Daiquiri. Sorry, I lost track which which cocktail I was talking about. Versus the last word. The last word is equal parts of this lime gin and green chartreuse, which is. Very, very herbaceous, and it tastes like nothing else. It's hard to hard to mimic. Also, hard to get would be green chartreuse right now. If anyone is uh, aware of this, we haven't been able to find it for something around a month and a half, two months. Yeah, it's it's nowhere. (laughs)
1: Like yellow chartreuse is a
2: little easier to find. A touch easier because, and and we have a cocktail using it, and we like found two, and we're really thrilled that we found it. Like I don't know. I guess everyone's discovered the magic of chartreuse.
1: Well, I love the mezcal last word. That's one of the... Yeah, yeah,
2: words. which that's, that's, a, that's a, <laughs> a great example of the aforementioned word that we were talking about earlier that you could use. <laughs> and a frequently ordered version. That's definitely not like a, a segmented thing that's... It's not like a pocket thing. It's it's kind of popular. It's become a, a big thing that's ordered a lot. I would say I get that as much as a regular last word. It fits with it very well. How are, how are they all getting Delicious. Did you just say... Yes, I did. Mm. That, 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 that mm. works. No, it, it doesn't go. Ee, ee, ee. It goes. <laughs> and that ended up being the right amount of bitters. I yeah. have to say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's a weird.
2: Above all the with the bitters, the, the it's committing to it. Just put it. Just it's not going to pour out. It that that woozy top is going to keep it controlled people always just kinda of go a little light. If you do and you don't think you're getting much reward of that flavor, it's you could go that way and add more or just commit to the dashing. It's kind of fun. It's just like shaking a cocktail. All those things you do it a few times and you get comfortable with uh, with the style. Although you guys that was a that was a good a good shaking set. <laughs> that, that scary. Well thanks yeah. Well Ayana, Bill, yeah, yeah.
1: Karen Eric. Thank you for coming. What do you think? Would you recommend this class Absolutely. to the people? Absolutely. 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 Yes. This is fantastic. Well, I agree. Thank I think it was great. You. Derek, thank you so much for being Likewise. here. Likewise. Yeah. Really thanks, for
2: thanks for thinking of us. Appreciate it.
1: Cheers, thanks, everyone. Cheers. 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 Cheers.
0: Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at CBus Craft Cocktail Tour. Visit our website at columbuscraftcocktailtour.com for cocktail tour dates, women in whiskey tastings, special events, merchandise. And if you're looking for a gift for that special person in your life, get them a gift card to our cocktail tour. Thank you to the biographer for our original music. And please remember to drink responsibly and be cocktail curious. Cheers. Cheers.
1: This has been a Last Call Productions production.